Any good underdog will tell you fighting your way to the top means knowing how to play the game. We're Serrano and Brooke Kelly, founders of The Kelly Group and authors of the landmark book, The Game, Win Your Life in 90 Days. For us, every success has been a battle, whether it's training for the Olympics, media coaching for the White House, or having TV shows made about our book. Through our system, we transform millions of lives by helping top performers turn their biggest fears and challenges into a game they will win. We've gamified our pain and struggles, and now we're talking to high-profile guests in unscripted conversations so you can learn the game they played to reach their success. Get ready to learn, execute, and get pushed out of your comfort zone. Let's Let's get get ready ready to to rumble. rumble. So today we have the good fortune to literally have an individual whose story is probably unbelievable when you take a look at the success that he has. Uh, But what's more important than anything else is to me, the quality of the person. And I got to tell you, just on impact, I was like, I love this guy. How could you not like this guy? But I want you to get to know him the way that I've had a chance to get to know him. So, uh, Stephen, Mr. Scoggins, if you would please share with our audience, you know, uh, give us a little bit of an understanding of your background, because this is all about individuals who have overcome hardships, challenges, and been able to take their life to higher levels. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing the mic with me today. I greatly appreciate it. Um, it's it's uh, it's a joy to be able to do things like this nowadays because I never thought I would. You know, I uh, grew up in a very difficult household, um, poverty, kind of in that poverty level. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and I and I hear a lot today about um, you know starting out well and and stuff like that. And a lot of times we kind of forget that that, that stuff kind of builds us over time. Um, father was an alcoholic. Mother uh, suffered for some. I would say mental illness, but she definitely had some mental um, baggage that had to be overcome uh, due to some abusive relationships and abusive childhood and things like that of herself. And as a result, they, they missed a huge portion of my life, ultimately leading me to being led or being raised by my, my grandmother, who was obviously a single grandmother. Mm-hmm. And uh, at nine years old, I never forget this as, as long as I live. At nine years old, she comes to me and says, I need help. I'm like, now, can think about think about a nine-year-old, like the mentality, like you know, that's cartoons and 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 cereal and that's what you know, <laughs> you know, still holding your blanket, taking it right there. Right, right. I literally had like a a GI Joe in one hand and a transform in the other, and I looked up at her, and you could just tell, you know, they, they say the eyes are the windows to the soul, mm-hmm. and I just knew in that moment that something was about to change, and it didn't matter what it was, I was going to help my grandmother any way I possibly could. Um, she had just found out she was diagnosed with cancer and this is in the, in the late eighties, um, when chemotherapy was just as dangerous as the, as the cancer itself. Right. Right. And, uh, proceeded to basically teach me how to set an alarm and wake my little brother up. Um, she taught me how to drag over the black chair over to the ugly tan stove from back in the seventies, you know, with the ugly, the ugly linoleum floors Uh and all that kind of stuff. And uh, (laughs) yeah, exactly. right? Right. And then, and, you know, and then boil water, make hot dogs and stuff like that. And I didn't know it at the time. My, you know, my childhood, you know, when you're a child, you don't really realize that things are really awry. Yeah. That was the first moment when I felt like, okay, something's off. Something's not good. Wow. You know, passed away by the time I was 11. And by the time I was 11, my parents, obviously, my mother, we, we talked a little bit about this off camera. Um, my mother, unfortunately, moved to Florida with my little brother. And I stayed here in North Carolina with my father. Mm. Um, 
hindsight being 2020, I didn't realize, and this is my, like an, an, an epiphany that's kind of coming out right now. I didn't realize the impact that would actually have on my three year younger brother mm. who wow. looked up to me. Right. He had this, this message of, uh, you know, separation anxiety. You know, forgive me if this sounds like a, a, a bit of an off color comment, but I just, I couldn't help but think, you know, how, how old are you? I'm 45. Okay. I got you beat by a little bit, right? <laughs> Just a little. So, 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 you know, you go back to, uh, you know, I grew up in a gang infested neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, had certainly, um, yeah. it, it was a less than glamorous environment, right? Like sure. abandoned cars, abandoned buildings, you know, as a kid, they're awesome jungle gyms. You don't know any better. Yeah. You get older, you're like, that was dangerous. Yeah. But could you imagine, right? Like, I don't think on Instagram or other social media, people would actually be portraying that like you know it's like oh look my my, my dad's an alcoholic I, I don't think that shows up yeah i think that there's such a, a need to like dress things up now yeah and, you know your earlier comment that you made to me about how it seems like so many people uh at least portray that they got off to such a great start yeah and the reality is what i'm hearing so far and i'm excited to hear what's next um, was not what one would put on, you know, Instagram. They were not. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't uh, what, what we know about to, to be Instagram worthy. I, you know, it's interesting. Before I move on, I think there's one takeaway that I hope the audience will enjoy. And that is the, um, the realness that comes by being your real self, being authentic. And I think that's been lost along the way, especially when, with the creation of social media and stuff like that. I think as human beings, especially in our youth, we're all chasing value and significance. We all want to be seen and heard and appreciated. And as a result, that search ends up creating what I, what I refer to as the negative side of the ego, negative side of the, uh, the identity in which that we feel like we have to obtain or we have to become in order to be worthy kind of scenario. Uh, ultimately leading me to understand um, that what I'm actually seeing working, and this is one of the reasons I love what you guys do so much, what I see working is this essence of being not a guru, but a guide. Mm, I like that. You know, a guru is talking at you and he's telling you all the, or he or she is telling you all the things that you should be doing, most of which they're not doing themselves. Right. right? Right. A guide is like, let me tell you how I messed up. Let me tell you what I broke. (laughs) Let me, t- let me tell you how not to do that, right? Yeah, and let me walk with you, you know? You know, I, 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 I hope that you'll uh, uh, enjoy the uh, approach that, that I take, which I hadn't really seen it through that lens, the way that you just described it. Uh, but, you know, usually with my clients, I'm like, let's lose 30 pounds together. Yeah. I'll go first. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't, I, 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 I don't. I, I, I don't enjoy coaching people on things around which I don't have not just actual experience, but actual present experience. Yeah. And I never thought about the fact that I really do enjoy being a guy yeah. and taking a journey with people. And I don't really see myself, you know, as a guru. So yeah. thank you for that gift for me. They're going to be for the audience, I'm sure, but I'm going to take my gift early on. So thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to, happy to share. You know, it's, I've, you know, in, in studying what you and Brooke do, man, I'm, 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 I'm super stoked for you guys because you do have a servant's heart. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's led a great deal to your success. And mm-hmm. I would dare say that ultimately 
you know, my childhood ultimately left me. There's a lot of stuff that we could easily talk for hours on my story. It's, it kind of reads like Joseph from the Bible or Forrest Gump, one of the two. Um, you <laughs> I know, like but characters. I like that. yeah, I mean, but I mean, this, you know, it's, it's it was a wild ride. Um, you know, I, I was very I was very unfortunate to not know my worth and not know my value. My father once told me now, now granted, this is a father who did love me, who did care for me, had right. his own misgivings at the time he's been obviously he's a fantastic grandfather now he's, he's grown a lot as a human being which is fantastic you know but in that moment he came to me shortly after they foreclosed on the house that, that he had worked so hard to get and said scoggins never get ahead they always get by wow wow i didn't realize it until after i had spent some time homeless that that was a lifeline that i chose to believe and when I was talking to a friend of mine who's doing a lot of minority development in our area, mm. when I said those words to him, his, his eyes went like just wide, just super wide. And he, and he was like, and he's like, he was, oh my gosh, I've grown up all this time and I can remember similar things being said to me and about me. And I'm right. a big believer that what we tell ourselves ultimately defines who we become. Yeah. You know, and that homeless experience was out of pride and arrogance, meaning I, I, I was on a rise mm -hmm. and I didn't know my identity. So at 19 years old, I um, started a business that uh, my men, my first mentor gave me, literally gave me, gave me all the tools, all the equipment, all the help, all the resources, everything that I needed to be successful. And within a year's time, I was a 19 year old kid, never been taught how to handle money, never been taught how to handle myself, never been taught about conflict, uh, conflict resolution, never been taught how to search myself or who I was. Mm. Right. I've discovered that there's really three great questions in life. Who mm. am I? Why am I here? And what do I do about it? Mm. You know, and then a Time Magazine poll came out not too terribly long ago through a Harris poll, Time Magazine and Harris poll combined. Mm. And they discovered that Upwards of 70% of Americans as a whole, right, our American culture, would say they're unhappy and unfulfilled. But when you dig under the surface, it's because they're living someone else's life. They, they've taken on someone else's life lie or they're taking on someone else's expectation. 70%? 70%. 250 plus million Americans, and that was before COVID. <laughs> you had to throw that in. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, but I'm just, yeah, but I'm just being real. So I hear you. I hear you. you. All these people yeah. at home and and, and, yeah, and everything, wow. and now they're being forced to do what I think the hard work that we had to do in in breaking free from some of the things that were holding us back is you have to identify who am I? What are my strengths? What are my struggles? What are my blind spots? What are my limiting beliefs? Um, who can be? Who can mentor me out of this mess? Because if it hadn't been for my first mentor that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, I guarantee you I probably would not be on this earth anymore. Mm. And now I'm looking back and I've discovered this massive, um, this massive life truth. This mm. massive life truth. This life truth is, th is this. Everybody in the world at some level, at some point in their life is going, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Who am I? Where am I going? How come I'm not? A, dot, dot, dot. And, it's, and it always centers around that. Here's what I've discovered. The greatest yeah, yeah, purpose. I, 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 I got to tell you, I feel like I'm in a coaching session right now. <laughs> I'm, loving it. I'm loving it. I'll share one thing with you real quick. Sure. I want you to pick up with exactly where you were. Sure. Um, 
I, I, you know, th this is saying uh, that my dad used to say, which is you can learn through either, uh, 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 you know, revelation mm -hmm. or sacrifice, yeah. right? Uh, I was big on sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> yeah. I like to learn things the hard way. What can I say? Yeah, and, um, you know, literally, you know, uh, it's interesting the parallels in our lives, right? You and I look very different, you know, seemingly people would think, oh, these cats have had very different uh, early experiences. And no, I didn't have the exact same experience as yours, but, you know, kind of coming up through poverty, I land on Wall Street, you know, 23 years old, I'm, I'm, I'm earning, you know, you know, not quite a half a million dollars a year, but in the early 80s, let's just say that's pretty good money. to be. That's really good money in the early 80s, for sure. And, you know, I walk into the office, I pick up the phone, the phone's my kid's sister. And the way that I escaped the gangs and a lot of the violence where I grew up was every summer, I would spend the summer with my cousins in Springfield, Massachusetts. So we like literally, we were like the Brady Bunch. Yeah. There were six of them, three of us, you know, have you ever tried to play Monopoly with nine kids? It's a blast. It goes oh on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it seems like it's going for six years. Amazing, right? And where they lived was very like suburban as opposed yeah. to very urban. And so needless to say for me, it was like a slice of heaven. It was my safe haven. And, you know, here I am 23, I'm on Wall Street and I'm thinking, you know, I'm a big dog, right? No sense of purpose whatsoever. <laughs> and I get up from my kid's sister and uh, a fire had broken out downstairs in the kitchen and the wallpaper caught on fire and uh two of the boys 10 and 12 could have gotten out of the house mm. but my my cousin phyllis who was attending oral roberts university she was an evangelist mm -hmm. it was literally valentine's weekend and a man had like you know a young man had proposed marriage she came home to literally wrestle with should she get married mm -hmm. and the two boys went up into the attic with the two girls and when the firemen put out the fire, they found all four of the kids huddled in prayer all dead. Oh. And I will tell you that it was it was literally standing over their graves because I mean these were some these were some good young people. Yeah. And I thought to myself, how could you know someone who clearly you know kids who had such a a sense of purpose in life you know mm -hmm. be dead, and how could a rascal like me be alive? Yeah. I had to ask myself, you know, what is the purpose of my life? And and there literally was this moment. And it sounds like as you're articulating it that, you know, once again, I'm, I'm kind of experiencing, I'm kind of reliving aspects of my life through you as I listen to the way that you're describing your story. Uh, didn't mean to interrupt, but just had to share with you that, you know, it, it, it took getting hit by a freight train. Yeah. For me to be willing to confront that kind of, of dialogue with myself authentically. Yeah, no, it's a it's a truly powerful story. And I think it's a good indicator to help people understand that you might be 30 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old and 80 years old and never actually taking the time to really understand what you were designed to be or who you were designed to be. And one of the things that I was mentioning um, was this essence of everybody's asking for the search, right? Yeah. You know, we have you and I both had ultimately awakening moments that changed the entire trajectory yeah. of who we were to become. And right. I would dare say, if you're like me in this percent, even after the awakening moments, I had lots of stumbling blocks along the way. Uh, have you been watching me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just, right. I'm just, so this is, and this is right. what I, this is what I, that, that I hope people understand about the human existence is that the human existence 
is fraught with story mm-hmm. and fraught with struggle and adversity. And here's what people need to understand. That's good. That's a good thing. Because here's why, here's why I say that. I've discovered that the greatest purpose in life you will ever have is serving the person you used to be. Mm. Say, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again. Say that one more time. The greatest purpose in life you will ever have is serving the person you used to be. Mm. The hidden meaning of purpose and fulfillment in life is literally hidden in overcoming the struggle, dissecting what worked, and giving it to someone else behind you. Everything that I'm doing now, uh, Transform You Live, the three-day live event we do, the, the books that I write, the, the podcast that, we, that I also have, like all of these different things are outreaches. They're like, hey, Scoggins, it doesn't have to be that way, dude. Knock it off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, I mean, think about it. Think about yeah. your, you know, let's, let's, let's take the urban environment for, for just a, a, a sliver, okay? Right. The urban environment is missing high quality guides. Yeah. People that have not only beat the urban environment yeah. and overcome it, but have the skill set, the articulation, and the ability to teach it. One right. of the things that I've learned about the people that tend to gravitate towards um, our platform, our content, is that they all, they all can resonate with things that we've already discussed. Poverty, suffering, lack, mm. limiting beliefs, mom and daddy issues, right? Mm. School issues. I didn't graduate high school, which surprises a lot of people. No. Yes, no. sir. <laughs> Never graduate. I mean, because I had to drop out of high school to take care of my family. Like my dad couldn't get the bills paid. You know, Desert Storm happened and the economy tanked in the late 90s and or, or mid 90s, really. But, you know, when you, when you roll it up into it, my dad was working as hard as he possibly could, as hard as he possibly could. Yeah. And he never could break through because of basic things, basic things. Mm. And if it wasn't for my first mentor, a guy by the name of Steve Mark, who was a home builder in the area, mm. who literally took me out of my dad's framing crew, sat me in his Jeep and said, Steve, I got a question for you. I'm like, OK, I'm all ears. I mean, this guy's a multimillionaire. Of course, I had I had immediate respect for him. Right. Because mm. he's the he's the boss. He's my dad's you know, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You know how we put people up on pedestals. And he said, I, he said, what's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? And at like a know-nothing teenager, I'm like, well, duh, money. He's like, absolutely not. It's the way they think. Mm-hmm. The next statement hit me twice as hard. Do you want to learn to think like me or do you want to think like your father? He said that to you. He said that to me. Wow. Because he had been trying to mentor my father. My, see, Steve Mark was my fa- almost like my father's pseudo father. He had tried to work with my father. My yeah. father got wrapped up in the alcoholism, you know, that was wrapped up in their household. My grandfather survived Pearl Harbor, like was one of the survivors in North Carolina, one of seven people from North Carolina that survived. And unfortunately, long before they ever understood what PTSD was supposed to be or whatever, right. he right. came home and self-medicated. Right. It's created the alcohol, the alcoholic trim. Wow. You see what I'm saying? And people don't like to look at patterns. Perspective and also so much more compassion. So I, I, I got you on that one. Well, and that's why I'm trying to help people understand that rather than look at your traumas and the things that you've been through. And look, I got news for you. People that are type A, the vast majority of them that are gritty and tenacious have been through some really hard stuff. 
And I would dare say only about 15% of them have actually dealt with it. Mm. Mm. I've got a young man right now on my team who thinks that if he doesn't become a multimillionaire, his life has absolutely no meaning. And mm. I'm like, no. The yeah. more successful you become, the yeah. more money you earn, the more things you have, the more empty you will become because those things bring no value except for momentary lapses of joy. Right. You know? So as we start walking through this thing, you know, I learned a long time ago from Steve that my transformation going from homelessness to owning several companies now, employing hundreds of team members, is this. It's very simple. Principles govern promises. Mm. Mm. If you want to earn more money, you want to close more sales, you want to build a bigger business, you want to become a better husband or wife, father or mother, son, daughter, whatever that one thing is that you want most of all, all you have to ask is what principles do I need to replace in my life? Because someone who's broke, like I was growing up, and like you, you've obviously mentioned that you were growing up, that poverty level, that is a more, that is almost 90% mindset and almost 10% circumstance in almost every case. Mm. The poverty side of thing was very simply, my family consistently borrowed and never repaid, consistently spent more than they made, and refused to not try to live their life on the monthly payment. Mm. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Right. Conversely, Steve Myrick said, don't buy it until you, pick, you can pay cash for it. Don't spend all your money. Sacrifice for two years of your life to build a firm foundation and then build a skyscraper. Mm. Thankfully, right. to God be the glory, I listened to Steve Meyer. Mm. You know, I, I just got to say, uh, one of my teachers said to me that the most important thing that a man can miss is a meeting mm. because one meeting can actually change a person's entire life. Yes. And I just, I, I like have a visual on what you were saying because imagine what if you missed that meeting? What, what if you were too arrogant, too mm -hmm. defensive, too scared? Yeah. So it could be anything, right? Because you know, in a number of ways to have that, have that meeting. And I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that, you know, I find personally frustrating about what I do. And I, I, I'm sure that you're experiencing the same phenomenon. You know, I get to work with some extremely successful people. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say that some of them are people who are who are who, who are going to be successful. Clearly, then there are those who are obviously successful, but they're all successful people. And you know, so often what I find frustrating is is that they're the ones who most want my time. They're the ones who most want the coaching, and they're the ones in theory who least need it. Mm -hmm. Then there are those who, who could really use it, but they have a hard time accepting help. Yes. Right? It's almost like this, you know, I know what to do and I'll do it myself. And it's like, yep. is it working? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not right? <laughs> it's it's, it's not, yeah. your marriage, right? It would be just like money or business. Like if, 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 if you're not seeing the results, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. it'd be a good idea to be open to help. So you were open. Yeah. That message just clearly went straight in. Otherwise, for all we know, you wouldn't be here with me right now. Yeah, but see, look, look at what he did to open up the dialogue. He gave me a very thought-provoking question to stop me in my tracks and get my immediate attention, right? Mm -hmm. 
right? It's it was the like the the beginnings of the social media bang beforehand. You had this one image and it kind of pops up and stops you dead in your tracks. Right. So he stopped me dead in my tracks. He didn't start by accusing me or telling me anything. He mm-hmm. asked me a question and forced me to reflect. He told me where my error was and then gave me a very drastic comparison that I could see with my own two eyes. Do you want this or do you want that? Sounds like a guide, not a guru. Exactly. Sounded like, sounded like that, right? So here's the crazy part. Uh, Mr. Myrick passed away in 2003 and mm-hmm. he never got to see all of his seed, everything that his seed became. When, when he passed away, I still owned a very small construction company. Mm-hmm. I was still had a tool belt on. I was still working my butt off on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I just think now if he could see what that seed became, you know, I was, I was telling somebody recently and especially in the, in the affluent category, people that are affluent in nature, most of them on average have three to five mastery level skills. Okay. Mastery level skills that they could pass on to a generation. Right. finance, relationships, uh, buying and trading, whatever those things are, okay? Mastery level skills. I mean, they are a master at that craft. Mm. Conversely, most men, most men and women who have a fluent nature, only 86% or I'm sorry, only 32% of them actually give that knowledge away before they pass away. Mm. So if you take that into consideration, one of the things that I discovered when Steve passed away and I went to go write my first book, because Steve's obviously in my first book, a lot of Steve, a lot of what Steve taught me is in my first book uh, that came out in 2014. A lot of that was him seeing himself in me, going back to serve the person you used to be. I later found out he dropped out of high school. He dropped in, He went into the merchant Marines. He clawed his way to success. Like, like all these different commonalities. Yeah cool thing about Steve was he was so shrewd as a businessman, but so generous as a human being. I've actually, I actually used to watch him kick police officers off his street because he owned the street. Like the police officer would pull up behind him. He's like, you move your car. And he's like, no, I own the street. You turn around and go the other way. And the officer would turn around and leave. Right. It's also the same man that would go to a barbecue restaurant with his wife, have a bag of hush puppies, eat some barbecue. Right. Cause I'm from North Carolina. So we have barbecue here. Right. A lot of it. Okay. <laughs> to slip a hundred to slip a thousand dollars cash under the Barbie under the um, hush puppy basket, walk out the door, not say a word, get in his car and leave, only to watch a single waitress that was clearly a single mother come up, lift that basket, and get completely wrecked. Right. I wanted to be like that. I, if I was going to be affluent, I wanted to be in a place where I could give at such a level that impacted the world. Now, that was my first phase. My second phase was understanding the greatest gift that I can give anybody is my experience. Because what, I, what I've discovered along the way is most people, unless they're following my content, don't know who Steve Myrick is. Never will. Except for the fact that I talk about him every single time I have the opportunity because of how he impacted my life. And I, I, I hate to do this to you, but, but how can people... I mean, you're missing your podcast, but, but just to share with us a bit, how can they access that content? Just to share a little bit about that. Otherwise, you know, keep talking and uh, we, <laughs> we might miss We're having out. too much fun. I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I mean, the, the easiest way to stay engaged with me is, is probably through Instagram. I'm most active there. And that's just Stephen with a PH underscore Scoggins. And then if you really want to get the nuts and bolts of going to the next level, um, I invite you to join myself and 13 other thought leaders at Transform You Live here in Raleigh in October, October 21st to the 23rd. Nice. Um, you can go there and, and learn more about that. That's transformulive.com. Um, I've got Tom Bilyeu, Anthony Trucks, Lisa Bilyeu, Evan Carmichael, Amberly Lago, Ray Higdon, Tracy Litt, and so many more amazing people that are going to be there to help pour into to people, to help them elevate and go to the next level. Because we all have a roadblock we need to overcome. And I, and I think that the, the timing of it is quite uh, fortuitous because, you know, there are, it's a complex time, mm -hmm. you know? And so, oh, yeah. you know, there are more roadblocks than I think, you know, there have been in, in prior periods, some of which we're conscious of, some of which we're not. Mm -hmm. So that's phenomenal that people can actually access that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you know what I'm really, you know that I'm big on, like, you know, what's the one takeaway? What's the one thing? <clears throat> I've heard a lot of gems and what you're saying, but if you had to choose among all of them, what would be the one strategy, the one thing that a person could could follow, execute on, that you think would make the biggest difference of everything you said? What, what would that be? I think it comes down to focus. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll explain that in just a second. The roadblocks that you face are there to make you stronger, not to make you weaker. And the moment you understand that, the better off you'll be. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're able to focus on creating a legacy that outlives you, mm. you'll have everything and then some that you ever need. Mm. No. So in the, in the work that we do, it's interesting that you uh, bring this up. I don't often get a chance to share this, but we have people create this 90-day uh, personal challenge. Mm -hmm. They take three to five areas of life, and they commit to what they're going to do by the end of 90 days that will literally live like a final result. Mm -hmm. We have, I'm sure that with the people in life that they at least want to let down. Yeah. They can get coached and everyone is assigned a peer to be a daily accountability partner. So there's this sense of, of, of being um, like having a workout partner. Having someone mm -hmm. like that. The person creates this game. And, and it's always fascinating to see what people create because it's, it's really a mirror image of, of their life. It's like the, the macrocosm is reflected as microcosm. But once they have it, they're able to see things that they can't typically see. But we literally have to train people on how to pay attention Mm -hmm. to their very attention itself to yeah. actually see what they're missing in the big picture. Mm -hmm. So evident in this smaller model. Yeah. It's just fascinating to see how um, that whole idea of focus is so central uh, yeah. to people's success. So uh, for those of you who decide to take on, uh, you know, the, the, the Scoggins method, if I may call it that, <laughs> You know, let's walk away from this with the understanding that, you know, roadblocks are there to make you better, but that doesn't happen if you're avoiding them. That what you have to be willing to do is to focus and that that would make the, the biggest difference. Exactly. Uh, I will tell you, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> you're a lot longer. We have some barbecue and some hush puppies. That's Just right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Next you know. time you hit the East Coast, let me know. And if not, I'll hit you in L.A. 
I'm in Alabama originally, even though, even though I live in LA now, but yeah. I certainly appreciate some good barbecue and some hush puppies. I gotta say, um, you know, I really do love that you see yourself giving wisdom back to the person that you that you were, mm-hmm. and that you're finding expression uh, in, in, in transferring it now to so many people, and that you have these structures that you share with us for how folks can get access to more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I know that, uh, again, I could, I, could, I, could, I could talk over the street as well as listen all day, but I really want to thank you for what you've shared. And I really look forward to other opportunities to be able to converse with you, partner with you, to yeah. get your message out there. Uh, because, uh, again, I know that October is going to be a great opportunity for people to experience that, uh, with you and the great folks that you're going to be out there with. Uh, but clearly, yours is the kind of work that uh, we all want to forward and see succeed. So thank you for all the great things that you're doing. My friend, it was a sincere honor to spend time with you today. And we can break bread and hush puppies anytime you want, my friend. I'm going to remember that you said that. <laughs> you got it recorded. Let's go. There we go, brother. There we go. Hey, a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for that. Take care. All right. Be good now. Bye. All right. See you, buddy.